In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now yield your members to serve justice and to sanctification. Dear faithful, in today's episode, St. Paul is addressing the Romans. Primarily, those Roman Jews who had converted to Christianity, but also the pagans who had converted as well. He is, in other words, addressing a group of converts, those who gave up some other religion in order to become Catholic. Indeed, at the time he was writing, less than 25 years after Jesus' crucifixion, virtually all Christians were converts from something else. So given the idea that all of these people were converts, it is a little surprising that what he's telling them about is nothing other than the need for conversion. We often hear, and it is often quite true, that converts make the best Catholics. This statement is true if for no other reason than that a convert is someone who has made a conscious decision to learn about and make the effort to become a Catholic. Sometimes, in the face of a tough opposition from family members and friends. So it's not surprising that such a person would be more enthusiastic in practicing their faith than those of us who grew up in Catholic families and had our religion spooned, fed to us. So why does St. Paul write to these Romans about, these Roman converts, about the need to convert? The answer is that conversion is not the one-time process that we often think it to be. Just, just as a cradle Catholic does not necessarily become a great Catholic just because he's baptized and attends a few years of Catholic schools, neither does a convert who takes a few months of instruction and he's baptized as an adult. On the contrary, as St. Paul is hinting, conversion is a lifetime process that all of us must undergo. We might say that baptism and whatever preliminary instruction we receive are just the beginnings of a conversion process that ought not to stop until we die. So in this process of conversion, there is always room for improvement. To understand this, we need only look 
to that catechism question, we all learn in our instructions. What must we do to enjoy happiness with God in heaven? And to his answer, to be happy with God in heaven, we must know, love, and serve him in this world. Now, love and serve. None of these things are static. None of them stand still. They are not one-shot, one-time things. Knowing, loving, and serving God are continuous processes that build upon our initial conversion to Christ through baptism. It's good, but it's not enough to memorize the catechism. It's good, but it's not permissible to graduate from 8, 12, or 16 years of Catholic education and then to sit back and refuse to learn anything more about our faith. But rather, we must spend some part of our entire life continuing to learn about God's plan of salvation for us. Dear Faithful, not surprisingly, all three of these continuing processes overlap one another. The person who thinks he can love God without bothering to continue knowing and serving him is fooling himself. Likewise, the person who thinks he can know God without loving and serving, or the one who thinks he can serve without the other two. We cannot love what we do not know. We will not serve what we do not love. And we will avoid knowing the master whom who refuse to serve. All of these things are continuous. All of these things are interrelated. They are a process of continuous conversion of life, a continuous striving toward union with God. Otherwise, they are in vain. But that's, it. that's a fact that in our spiritual life, we are always in a rush. We want to reach the, to reach the goal overnight. So that's a process, a continuous process, which requests patience, perseverance, and consistency. That's why all of the greater of the great spiritual writers are anonymous about the need to make an examination, an examination of conscience every day. Even if we never do anything sinful, it's rare, but can happen. If we are to make progress in our continuing conversion, we must ask ourselves each day if we have grown in our knowledge 
love, and service of the God with whom we want to be happy in heaven. Finally, we ought to take the hearts, we, we, we ought to take two hearts, sorry, our Lord's words. By their fruits, you shall know them. Just as this is a way of knowing who the true and false representatives of Christ are, looking at our own fruits is a good way of knowing if we are true or fake or false friends of Christ. And the fruits here, by the way, are not material achievements, but rather the fruits of the Holy Ghost. In other words, we are not counting our actions, charities, while those things are important, we are looking beyond them to see if the Holy Ghost is active in our souls. Do we have things like charity, but not the calculated charity? Charity for the love of God and others only. Do we have things like joy, peace, patience, goodness, and are we willing to share? It is often said that one who wishes to make progress towards happiness in heaven with God cannot stand still. Otherwise, he will go, he will go backwards. A healthy spiritual life must be a continuous process of patience, a continuous process of perseverance, a continuous process of conversion away from the world and towards the kingdom of heaven, towards God and away from the devil. We must strive to know, to love, and serve God each and every day of our lives. Not everyone who says to Jesus, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of the Father shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.